Welcome to the Who Needs Instructions podcast, the podcast that wants to get men talking. So welcome along then to another episode of Who Needs Instructions, and I'm delighted for the first time ever on Who Needs Instructions to be joined by a female guest. Can I introduce you to Fran Cahill, all the way from Australia? Hello, Fran. Hello, Matt. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. The pressure is on, isn't it? The first time. Whoa. Whoa. So, Fran, then, just uh, for, for every listening, just introduce yourself. Tell us who you are and tell us what it is that you do. And we'll, we'll get a bit deeper after that if we can. Okay. Um, I am what I am your public speaking coach and your fear disruptor. Um, over decades of performing and my academic background actually is in social sorry sociolinguistics so the study of language and society and communication and and um, that gives me the buzz um so on the basis of that and as i said decades of performing and also a a really tight period in my life where i'd newly divorced two kids who were dependent upon me my self-confidence was probably zero and I had to start looking for jobs because I left where where I left the marriage home, I suppose we'd call it, and I had to start looking for jobs and I knew that I could talk to people. I knew that I had lots to say but my self-confidence was at a zero. So over a period of about six, oh, six months, 12 months, I pulled on a lot of the experience that I had. Um, I developed a set of programs that, works on people's fear of of speaking Um, and that sort of blew into a full set of programs as I said um, and coaching people how to speak Um, and the way that I uh, teach I suppose I call on theatrics a lot more than maybe others do and for me it's the fear disruption that that absolute center of what is it that I'm frightened of Um, so that's that's sort of what I what I do um, and how I got here Um, I'm way past 60 and enjoying every moment of it (laughs) enjoying every moment of it there's so much that doesn't matter now (laughs) um so is that what you wanted to know Matt (laughs) I didn't prepare my bio wow no 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 it's absolutely fine you know it's this is a you know well, let's, I'd like to just put a little bit of perspective on this, is the fact that I'm recording this at half past nine on a Friday evening, which means for you, Fran, it's half past six on a Saturday morning. So can I just say thank you for getting up this early to have a chat with us? <laughs> <laughs> I am thrilled to be here, Matt. I've got my coffee. I'm fired up. I'm fired up. I We're all good to, to go. <laughs> But yes, um, it is a bit of a struggle to be very articulate. So <clears throat> sometimes I might go, ah, but that's okay. It's only my, I have to wait until the coffee kicks in. That's all. Yeah, it's not a problem. <clears throat> now, I know when we first spoke, you were, you were, I mean, you reached out to me because we, we, we met through a, uh, like a podcast community, if you like, uh, and uh, yes. you know, looking to talk about it. You've got, you've got a book that we'll get onto later, definitely. Um, yep. But, and obviously, you know, you giving me your time on a Saturday morning, the least I can do is let you talk about this fantastic book, which is really good. <laughs> it's really funny. And I can't wait to sort of dive a bit deeper into that. Um, but, um, you know, going back to sort of, you know, so, so we met and, and you kind of sort of, you, you looked at what I was doing, what I'm talking about. And you said, well, 
you specifically mm-hmm. kind of deal with like the boomer generation. And that's not to say it doesn't, this doesn't relate to the younger audiences yes. because it's something that, you know, I think younger audiences are getting, uh, you know, getting held up in as well. But, you know, I, I know that I have a, a, a yeah. group of men that I want to get in touch with. And that group of men are probably a bit too shy to kind of maybe reach out and I'm saying you know reach out to a friend open up to a friend and stuff like that so that's kind of where your side of things really fitted in really well because you're about kind of getting over that fear and actually being able to stand up even in you know in a work environment giving people and coaching them how to stand up in front of their colleagues who may be their juniors and they've got to say right I've got to give a talk today so that's the sort of stuff you do so what's your process how would you start out with a client um, the, the first thing is that we can, bre- we can break it down to three, three questions that I ask people to ask themselves, or three elements, I suppose. And the first thing is, why am I here? Why, what is it that I'm speaking about? Why am I here? Is it, if it's a meeting, okay, I've been given this role just to, to say something. Am I, the spo- am I the sportscaster? Am I the report giver? Am I just updating? Am I so? What is it? What's the thing that you're doing? Why are you standing up to speak? And if it's because someone asked me, don't stand up. <laughs> if that's the only reason that you're standing up to speak, you've already put yourself at a disadvantage. So if you've been given this this task, I'm going to stand up to speak. Okay, you get past that. This is a task. It's why am I standing up to speak? So the question the question is asked, and then the answer that I that I ask you to to um, tease out is, well, I have something that I want to uh, to deliver. There is a message that I have to deliver. There is something that I want people to know about. And I mean, I've had the I've worked with a solicitor who talked a lot in court, etc., mm, but became. Yeah the um, spokesperson for a progress association. And he said, Fran, I have no idea. I can't speak like I am in the, <laughs> in the courtroom. And so we went through these steps is why are you getting up to speak? I want people to know about the progress association and I want them to get involved and I want them. So it was the why, and that mm. made a difference for him being able to fa- focus on what it is that he was there to do. Not, oh, I've got to talk. It's I'm here to, to impart a message. And then number two, which is obviously connected to that, is what role are you going to take? Are you the spokesperson? Are you the expert? Are you the the fond uh, fond workmate who's you know doing the farewell speech? What role is it that you're taking? And because every time you get up to speak, you know it is a performance. It is a performance, whether you like it or not. And whether it's behind the microphone or at the, at, you know, Aunt Maud's funeral, it is a performance. And that doesn't mean to say that you have to lose your authenticity, but if you are in a particular role, being authentic in that role. I mean, the way that you talk to your elderly mum is as the daughter, and sometimes you may be talking to your elderly mum as a health advisor saying, mum, yeah. we really got yeah. to talk about, you know, so, and it's those, those that, it, that has to come from your head to be able to position every other way that you're going to deliver that piece of, of knowledge or speech or piece of love, whatever you want to call it. And then the third thing that we work on, and this is my favourite bit, I suppose, is love your voice. 
And that, while that's, you know, a catchy three-word phrase, it is about thinking of your voice as part of the instrument of the delivery of your performance. Your voice, your eyes, what is your mouth doing, what is your face doing, how are you standing, the whole theatricality of that, that machinery or that instrument you're delivering your, your message, every bit counts. Now, a lot of, a lot of blokes, a lot of chaps speak they have deep voices obviously testosterone has made it that way but that deep voice can often be caught in your throat so that you Mm. drone on and it's not a performance it is a um shall i say almost like a punishment you're going to hear what i have to say and i'm going to say it you're going to bloody well like it pardon you're going to bloody well like it Exactly. When, if you think about the delivery of your message, it's the delivery of a message. And yes, I'm talking about any time you get up to speak, it is a message and you are delivering it. Think about using tone. Think about um, being able to phrase properly. And of course, you're not going to do that in a 30 second, 30 second um, message. But it is thinking that every single word that you are going to deliver needs to be worth it. So that you breathe correctly, that you've that if possible, warm up your mouth and your tongue when you're speaking. Otherwise, it becomes. I mean, your tongue is a is a, is a muscle just like any other, and if you're going to ask it to, to deliver, particularly if you've got complicated um, words within the message, you know. So so those bringing it to a summary now, Matt. There are three <laughs> things. <laughs> Why are you getting up to speak? What's your role and step into it, decide what that role is and step into it, and then love your voice and think about the delivery. It's fantastic, really. Well, you know, I mean, as you may or may not be aware, you know, I'm a radio presenter, so I am used to kind of performing on a fairly regular basis. Uh, So everything you said there is really ringing true. You know, I've had to stand up and do best man speeches. I've had to stand up in front of an audience and talk to them and train them. I've had to talk to colleagues. So there's lots of different scenarios. And it is a question I get asked quite often um, because, you know, without trying to sound boastful I'm quite comfortable doing that but I know that is probably a little bit out of the norm I know a lot of people aren't quite comfortable doing that but a lot of people say to me so because I'm always mm. saying look you know reach out to your friends talk to your friends because I guarantee you if you open up to them yes if they're a good friend they're going to open up to you too so have you got any tips or advice for yes. how to to start that initial conversation with someone that you know quite well wow that's yes the it is <clears throat> My first question, I suppose, is why are you hesitating? Are you frightened of rejection? Are you, you know, uh, is it in your head, are you asking yourself to take your relationship, that that sounds a bit creepy, but you're taking the, what is an established level of communication, you're taking, asking to take it to a deeper level. And are you frightened of rejection? And my um, advice is, what have you got to lose? <laughs> Why are you hesitating? If this person is a true friend, as you've just said, Matt, they will respond. And it's this taking the, the, the whole idea of, and I ask you if you are hesitating, what feel what's in your body and are you frightened of something? And your body will tell you if you're frightened of something and then your mind should be saying, what am I frightened of? They're not going to throw the crockery at me, are they? 
They're not going to. The person that I'm trying to reach out to is, I don't know, maybe just waiting to start to hear that to talk mm. on a, on a deeper level. That you don't need to d- discuss the footy scores. That there's something that you'd really like to talk about. So for me, it's in your mind thinking, I want this. I'm going to reach out. I'm going to step past the fear and see what the answer is. See what the response is. If you're hesitating, ask yourself why. And if it's a fear of rejection, you, the person is already a friend. I, you know, if you're sitting next to someone on the bus and you decided to speak very deeply with someone on the bus, I'd say yeah. you'd expect rejection, wouldn't you? But in this yeah. case, if it's someone that you're already that you've already established a relationship with and there is something that you'd like to talk about, I suppose rehearsing some words of how you want to open up the the uh, open up the change in in relationship that would be one thing and you're rehearsing that at home and if it's just something like look we've known each other for quite some time and would you be comfortable um i'd really like to talk about something you know i don't know whether that's that that would be the way i'd approach it but from a male perspective matt i'd be looking looking to your advice as to whether that would be something that you'd be comfortable for you know you've been comfortable with sorry is it yeah. something you say, you know, don't just sort of go from footy scores to I've got something I want to talk about. Maybe having just that lead-in phrase that's going to get you over the hump of fear and yeah. then start talking about it because right? <laughs> otherwise it can be a bit of shock for the person on the other end. Oh, shit, whoa, crikey, we're talking <laughs> about football scores and now we're talking about heart. Oh, okay. Yeah. So <laughs> maybe there's that, that transition, that lead-in to that sort of discussion. It is, is that helpful, Matt? I think it is. I think that's really helpful because it's difficult if you've got that conversation where you're meeting down the pub and like you say, you're talking about the football scores, you're ordering beer, you know, you're talking nonsense and then actually you've got to start to go, well, I, you know, I want to get a little bit deeper. What I would suggest, and again, you know, I wanted to get your take on this. My take on it is also the fact that I almost guarantee they will be feeling a very similar way to you. If you're friends, you know each other quite well. So if you're going to say, exactly. no, you know, I'm, I'm going through this. Have you ever been through anything similar like that as well? Um, and, and that, I think, is starts yeah. to break the barriers down. And and because the other thing that, again, yes. someone's asked me about, is this is this the sort of thing that you can have with colleagues at work who you've begun to get friendly with? Um, I, I think it's not the sort of thing that you talk over the water cooler at work about, but potentially you could sort of say, look, do you fancy getting a drink after no. work or do you want to go for a walk or something like that? And that's when you can start to kind of introduce yeah, yeah. those those deeper topics that you you find a bit more difficult to talk about. And uh, yeah, that's where I'm coming from, I think. Yeah, yeah. And to me, the, there's so many levels of benefit for you to A, Decide that you need to talk about something. B, deciding who you'd like to talk to, deciding who you'd like to talk about it with. And then C, that, and C is the hardest, is taking that step past the fear or a step yeah. past the hesitation to actually do it. That, those are the three levels. And I think it's, um, it's essential that you hold on, hold on to that sense of, of, of self, but then be prepared for that vulnerability that you will be offering, you know, you're offering someone vulnerability by taking that mm. next step down. I mean, Brene Brown has the books and all of that sort of stuff. But when, when we're talking about making changes to a relationship, 
you are making yourself very vulnerable. And I think it's really important to acknowledge that, but then say the levels, and is that a, a, a common term for, for blokes to be using with each other? I don't think so, but I think it's an absolutely essential um, term that we talk about, that you're offering offering a part of yourself that is um, uh, private and I think it's also something that you have to feel safe. You have to feel safe in sharing that vulnerability and safe in sharing those things that are really, you know, really important. And can I suggest that you, if you're going to try this, make it after the first beer, not the 10th. <laughs> okay? Just saying. Yeah, that's a good shout. That is a very good shout. Yeah, yeah. And I think, it, I think it's also important that we do think about the language that you use and, you know, yes. if you're, you have a language already between, you know, any kind of friendship and, uh, you know, in England, we call it banter. I'm not sure how you refer to it in Australia, yes. but, you know, Same sort of there's, thing. yeah, there's a healthy level of piss taking going on, basically. Um, you and, you know, that, that, that should maintain because you know, you could get quite deep. And I, you know, I've done this time and time again with friends where it's got quite hard and we're talking about relationships. We're talking about, you know, feeling anxious in certain situations. And then afterwards you just go, yes. and I'm an absolute twat or, you know, it's something like you just kind of break the ice again and, and kind of come back into, you know, yes. the, the, the real world of the, the usual kind of banter that you have. But, you know, it's nice just to kind of understand yes. that, that there is that level of Mickey taking you can have between each other. Um, but actually, I think that just brings you closer oh, yes. together as friends. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's in terms of the, um, the level of conversation that we're talking about, that piss taking should, con- should continue. But at certain points then, there should be ways that you can signal I'm not taking the piss. I'm talking honestly here and I'm offering you something. And and this, I I know this is probably um, foreign territory for a lot of people that are listening, but it is something that in terms of conversations and um, societal interactions, if at some point you are then um, saying, I'm taking this a a step lower or a step deeper and I'm Mm -hmm. not taking the piss out of you and I'm not taking the piss out of myself, this is important it's in, to be able to signal that and be able to yeah. talk about it. And then, as you say, by, by a signal at the end of that night, you know, and I'm an utter twat, yeah. that then says we're signalling that we're going out of that. Yeah. And that sounds quite clinical and structured, but mm. I think it's important that people understand that when you're taking um, relationships and the discussions, you know, conversations to various levels, you have to be able to say no, yes, no, you know, be able to respond within that level of conversation so that you are um, honouring and I suppose maintaining the, the rules. There are certain rules as we go down into deeper levels, isn't it? And the level of trust increases as we go into different levels of conversation. And you made a really – yeah, oh, go on. Sorry, go on. You go. No, I just said you made a really good point, Fran, about um, about introducing topics which are a little bit more sensitive than maybe what you're used to talking about. And I think there's yes. there's phrases that you might be able to use, something along the lines of, look, just to get a bit serious on you for a second, have you or yes. did you or, you know, have you experienced something similar? And then, you know, yes. you kind of 
get their attention. You you open up to, to what you feel comfortable initially. And like you say, yes. then at the end, and then you can kind of go, so, you know, so that's where my head's at. And uh, maybe something silly like, oh, and now we're back in the room. You know, it's just like you say, it's a way of taking yourselves yes. into that that slightly more sensitive conversation and then right okay now we're back yes. into normal piss taking mode so yeah it's a that's a really useful tip Absolutely. thank you for that yeah um i think it's really important thank you i'm i'm very happy to share it it's really important because it's very easy for me to say oh yeah do this and do that but it's having the actual techniques yeah. having the way yeah. of being able to maintain and let's face it you you need to maintain control of where you are in the in the conversation and in control in the best sense so yeah. that you still maintain your you know you, you're able to share your vulnerability that you still feel safe and that you have the triggers at the beginning and at the end and that those take time to test out even in good relationships you need to test it out the, oh no that 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 didn't work you know yeah. I, yeah. I didn't get to where I wanted to um, but that doesn't mean to say you have to be navel gazing and self reflecting for the rest of your life. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of what, yeah, I think just to summarise it, it's having a trigger to start that conversation. And and you came up with a, a great example of you know just getting serious for a minute, and then the trigger at the end. I think that yeah. allows you then to experiment within that that level of how it works for you and how you can feel, how you as, as the person attempting to introduce. But equally, Matt, how if someone in your audience is being approached by somebody else. Exactly. A, a knowledge yeah. of mm. what might be happening. Or that you don't have to be fearful that if someone is saying, I'm just, I'd like to get a bit serious for the moment, yeah. that it's a signal that something different is happening in your your conversation in your relationship maybe i don't know um I, I think it's important that everyone becomes aware that we're attempting to make changes in our conversation all the time and taking the piss out of allows you to keep it nice and fluffy but if someone's making a signal the you'll make either you're making the signal or the signal's being made to you yeah. that you go ding something might be yeah. different might be happening that's a and really really good point yeah, that, that, that's a really good point. Yeah, because, you know, you may be in that position where it's a mate reaching out to you. So, yeah, look out for those signals yeah. in the relationship. And what if someone's prepared to be vulnerable with you, respect that vulnerability. And, and, and you know, it, all you have to do, oh, literally, yes. most of the time, is just open your ears and close your mouth. They'll, they'll benefit oh, from just yes. downloading on you. You don't have to be the expert with the answers, but just having another pair no. of ears on, on an issue can be so, so useful. Oh, absolutely. And I think in one of in our pre-chat, Matt, I, we had a bit of a conversation about this. And I think, I, and I'm not an expert, but I think a lot of blokes are wired to come up with a solution. You know, you hear True. there's a problem and you come up with a solution. In a lot of cases, that's not, and you've just mentioned it, that's not what's necessary here. It is just listening with you know engaged listening yeah <laughs> but in listening yeah. and being the just the ears are oh, righto and maybe offer us a, a suggestion from your own experience or whatever but often people don't want a, a solution they're not looking to fix this thing they want to be able to talk about it tease it out articulate it and often they'll come to halfway to a solution in their own mind anyway but the idea yeah. of having that safe space to be able to share it and 
and um, articulate it and verbalize it in a lot of cases can be the best thing that you can do. The absolute best thing is being a, a warm and caring ear. And, it, and there's something else there that uh, I just want to add to the end of that before we move on. And we've got a little bit of a satellite delay here. So, so I want to kind yeah. of just, I'm going to, I'm going to move on to your book very shortly, but when someone okay. is downloading on you and, and you're listening the, without coming up with answers, you could actually come up with extra questions. So to, it proves you're listening to what they're saying. And then you could just yes. dig a little bit deeper. And that allows that person to yes. maybe go to another level and explain a little bit more. So there's some really good stuff there. Francis, that's absolutely brilliant. I loved mm. it. Now, I want to move on to your book. Uh, I'm hoping you're just going to literally pick a copy up and show us that you've got it there by your size. And look at I've that. I've got it in Beautiful. my brown paper bag. Because you put questionable <laughs> things in brown paper wrapping, don't you? <laughs> Here it is. Tell us all about your book, please. Your Kitchen Olympics and other remarkable athletic feats. I'm a boomer, as you know, and it, my book is a celebration of the of boomerdom of my life as a boomer. But it's also um, a number of the awkward physical and mental activities that I have carried out over my boomerdom years. <laughs> Things like looking for the phone with the phone light. Hmm? <laughs> Cost lettuce falling out of the fridge and I kick it across the room because I didn't want it to touch the floor. Wrestling with palm fronds. The bastards don't want to go in the green bin. I know what palm you mean. Fronds. Yeah, we don't get a lot of palm trees over here, I'm afraid, but I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> But you'd get, there'd be some form of vegetation that you'd wrestle with trying to bring into, you know. Um, so what I've done is turn those into kitchen Olympic events and you're I all winners. It. Every single one of us is a winner every day because of the way that we deal with sudden, awkward, mental and physical activities. So, you know, I've put together a, a, a Olympic Games, 13 Olympic events and put some things around it, you know, and an and an acknowledgements and, and we're all winners. And that's what it is. It's a celebration of life as a boomer. And those of us who are never going to be an Olympian, I'm leading the movement of never Olympians. You know, we've got but, our own winners. We win in all sorts of ways, all of us, every single day. And I'd like to hand over a top effort for every single one of your, of your audience who makes the effort to reach out. You know, it's a top effort. And I think I've actually got, I'll show you. Here we go. No, I haven't. Damn, I haven't got it so <laughs> Giving ribbons oh, as, as bookmarks. It's a top effort ribbon for every book that uh, that I'm giving away. At the, well, I'm selling at the book launch. That's it. Fantastic. That's what it is. It's meant to be humorous. It meant to be a chuckle a page. That's what it's all about. And listen, I know that boomer generation, I, you know, I, I think without with all due respect, I think I'm just tipping into that boomer generation now yes, where, yes. you know, you put on a pair of glasses to find your glasses. There's that kind of thing that I think you're talking about. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's brilliant. There it is. There, there it is. Um, it's, as I say, it's meant to be a celebration. It's absolutely a celebration. And it's meant to be there's humor in every single thing that we do. There's got to be a way to find humour and grace. And am I dignified? Hell no. But there is a dignity in being in being a boomer and acknowledging that and saying, yeah. you know, there's bits of my body that don't do what I want it to do anymore. But that doesn't matter because it's carried me for nearly 64 years 
you know, I've got to honour it and say, well, let's see what we can do with with it with with the Kitchen Olympic event. And it's, let's um, let's, em- let's it's embrace great. that change. Yes, embrace the change, and um, you know, count your grey hairs and all of that sort of stuff. So that's that's <laughs> it, Matt. And it's meant you- to be, you know, it's meant to be um, engaging. It's meant to be taking a look at yourself and saying, I'm a winner anyway. And I'll tell you what, it would be a great gift to give at Christmas as well, wouldn't it? It certainly would. It certainly would. And look, Father's Day is coming up tomorrow. I've been flogging it all week saying, has your dad got a Kindle? He can get it on Kindle. Um, it's available on ebook. It's available on da-da-da. So I've been flogging it off. I don't know what the sales are. I don't, I don't, not looking, not looking. Somebody will want to buy it for dad. But it will be a great Christmas gift. And it's, it's um, a sh- very short read. And if you've got a boomer in your life, I think they'd really enjoy it. <laughs> or if you are a boomer, just like me, you'll enjoy it. Listen, I'll put the links in the description below and everywhere we can. I'm happy to share that for you. It'd be absolutely fantastic. Now, Francis, last thing I like to do is I always ask my uh, guests on the podcast four questions yes. at the very end. Um, uh, yes. And we, like you say, we've had a lovely little chat before uh, before this. And, uh, you know, yes. I, I, that's why I want to get you on. You're good fun. Um, some of these questions are slightly deeper and serious. Some of them are a little bit more lighthearted. Yes. So I'm looking forward to these. Yes. Uh, so question number one, then. Uh, <laughs> What do you think it takes to be a man in the 21st century? Wow. Um, now, this is from a woman's perspective, Matt. Absolutely. Mate, you've got to like yourself. Nice. Be, where, be aware of the worth, your merit, every single day. You are worthy. You are worthy of being here. There are rules that have been set up by other generations of men and women and those rules don't necessarily apply. I don't know that they applied previously about Mm -hmm. man is the breadwinner, woman is the homemaker. I don't know that they applied then, but that's what society was. Today, make your own rules about where you fit in your life and with the people around you. Try and stay healthy in mind and body. Try to do the things that give you joy and satisfaction every day. Success comes in so many different forms. It doesn't have to be based on money, houses, all of that sort of stuff. If that's what gives you satisfaction, that's great. But don't measure yourself against anybody else. It's what gives you joy and what makes you reinforce your worth as a person. Great answer. Thank you very much, Fran. Thank you very much. Okay, moving on to question number two then. And this is specifically aimed at you. Uh, Who has inspired or who has been the most influential person or people in your life, Fran? Okay. There's the boring, fluffy answer. And I'll do that one (laughs) first. The first is my mum. My mum. My mum was widowed at age 41 with five children. I was six and my eldest brother was 17. My mum just got on with it. It was really tough. You know, but but there's a lot of people have had it tough. But my mum showed me the importance of family and being, you know, loving family and just getting on with it. She wasn't overly demonstrative. But she, I knew how much I was loved. 
But the other side that I learned from her was service to others, that there is always someone that I can be of assistance to. And that, while that sounds very fluffy as well, I think that is an absolute core value that I have and I've had all of my life is that how can I be of, of service and assistance to somebody else? That, and that's, you know, outside um, my family, um, there's two, I think. One was um, my supervisor for my honours degree. I did it as a mature age student. Um, he was, he in, introduced me to um, remote Aboriginal communities on Cape York. So I was able to go with him for my field work, for my studies. Um, one of my majors was in Aboriginal linguistics, the languages in Cape York. Um, and his, his drive to learn about society and language in Aboriginal um, communities, that just set me up in terms of my intellectual and, and academic um, path. And sadly, he died of a stroke in my honours year. And the effect that that had on me was devastating, absolutely mm. devastating. Okay. Um, so that's the academic side. And then in my work side, I do have a job, but I don't want to talk about that. There's not most, you know, I, but the, the person who influenced me the most, his take on being a supervisor and being a manager was that I want to make this place somewhere where you don't mind coming to. Sounds quite fluffy, doesn't it? But he couldn't help with the shit that came down the pipeline that you had to deal with. He couldn't <laughs> help with a lot of, you know, he, he could direct it and all that stuff, but the shit's going to be there. you got to work with it. But his idea was to make it an environment where you didn't mind coming. He said, I'd love it if you'd, you'd say this is a place I'd love to come, but if you don't mind coming. So it's a place where you can be safe, where you can be, um, where you can have a joke, where you can get the job done, but you're amongst people that you don't mind being with. Could you go down to the pub with them for a drink? Could there be so you know that that to me, those are the three influences that I've had in my life. Fantastic. And listen, there's no shame in talking about parental uh, influence, you know, none at all. And I, it, it is a very common answer, but there's a different story every single time. And yours is a really powerful one. So thank yes. you for sharing that. Really, absolutely. Thank you. And the final, or sorry, the final one of the slightly serious questions is what kind of legacy would you like to leave behind, Fran? Oh, wow. And as I'm <laughs> approaching the sunset years, it's something that you, I should be considering, isn't it? Um, the legacy. Oh, wow. Um, in terms of how I want to be remembered is mm -hmm. someone who saw, who, who used humour, who used humour as a way of life, who was never a judgmental person, who always listened with ears and arms wide open, never prejudged, um, that my love of family, my love of my friends, my love of humanity was the thing that people noticed. And the best thing I want is that people rem remember me as being curious about everything. <laughs> curious about the wonder of life. Curious about why someone said that. Curious about why I, my crows and magpies love me. Curious about why my cat howls whenever I change the, the when I unpack and pack the dishwasher. 
just curious. <laughs> I love the cat. That sounds mad. <laughs> Brilliant. You've mentioned humour a couple of times, so this last question is going to sit really comfortably with you. Please excuse yes. the way I phrase it because it is a category, but can you please tell yes. me your best dad joke? Oh, God. Okay, the best dad joke. Um... I tend to hear them and say, oh, my God, and forget them. Um, dad jokes. Um, oh, wow. There's, there's all, they're all bu- bubbling up. Um, I'm not a dad, Matt. This is hard. Um, I know. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's the joke. category. It's oh, the category. Knock, knock, I think knock-knock jokes are the mm. best dad-type jokes. You know? Go on, then. Knock-knock. Um, Who's there? Trees up. Trees are who? Trees are green. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect because it's rubbish and brilliant at the same time. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry I had to resort to a knock-knock, but I think they're the best at rubbish and still, you know, yeah. It's, oh, another nothing... one, knock-knock. Oh, uh, who's there? Isabel. Isabel who? Isabel necessary on a bike? <laughs> okay, I feel like we can keep doing this all night now. <laughs> okay, I'm done now. Though you've, I've reached my peak. <laughs> Perfect ending to this podcast, Fran. Honestly, that was absolutely fantastic. Now, listen, you know, just to go back, I, I love the stuff we spoke about earlier on. We were talking about, you know, the relationship side of things, guys with guys. Yep. These things will also help, you know, marital relationships, relationships with your own family as well, all that kind of stuff. And we got yes. onto your book as well. I will put some links in the description for this and make sure people can get hold yep. of your book if they want to get hold of it. It looks like great fun. And again, I just want to say it's 10 p.m. on Friday evening, which means it must be about 7 a.m. for you. In, uh, you're in Brisbane, right? right? So, so yeah, well done. Yes, That's I am true. in Brisbane. The wonderful Bris Vegas, yep. <laughs> is that what they call it? <laughs> Listen, um, parting words then, Fran. Is there anything else you would like to leave my audience with? Uh, yes, I would, Matt. Take the chance. Take the chance to talk. Take the chance to share what's in your heart. You never know where it's going to go. And you'll very likely get a way to, to, you'll be, you'll find a way to make it better or resolve it or whatever. Take the chance. Francis Cahill, thank you very much indeed for your time today. Oh, Matt Young, it's been an absolute pleasure. And I'm so, so honoured to be part of, of what you're doing. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I appreciate it so much. Thanks for listening to the Who Needs Instructions podcast. We release a new episode every week, so make sure to subscribe and we'll speak to you again soon.